to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. It's time for the GGTMC. We are on the air, baby. So I want to pick up Sammy in a fireman carry. Aww. That's sweet. Two Thank seconds you. in, it's already getting so sweet. Sweet. All right. Uh, so this week we have a <laughs> this week we have a special crossover episode. We we're from a uh, crossover uh, crossing streams, maybe with the. With the uh, oh, you <laughs> might be, but I'm not sure I am. <laughs> with the. <laughs> Uh, two females. Your aim is very bad. You have yeah. no idea how hard. <laughs> females crossing streams would be interesting. Um, <laughs> really messy. Like, I, I don't even want to picture it. It would be messy. Shower yeah. curtain styly. Yeah. All right. Just make sure you put plastic on the furniture. You know, a lot of plastic yeah. and everything. Anyway, uh, back on point here already. Derailed <laughs> completely. Um, we are cross. I can't say anything. I can't speak this morning. We are cross pollinating with the Feminine Critique Podcast. And uh, we are uh, doing a little special episode. So you're going to hear one review from us on this show this week, and you're going to hear part two of the show on their feed this week as is, as to get more listeners over to The Feminine Critique, which is a great podcast uh, with great friends. And who I'll introduce now, we have uh, Emily, who's from uh, GleeCast as well, So and Deli Dolls, uh, blogspot.com. There she is. And then we have uh, Christine. Who is uh, one half of the Paracinema Power Duo? We like to call them, and uh, also one half of the Feminine Critique Power Duo. So there you go. And I'm part of many duos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you the num- out of all these duos though? Are you a number one or are you a number two? Which one? I'm number one, man. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Hey, we, whoa, 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 whoa. We, well, I mean, <laughs> Emily, I'll email you later. I'm already, okay. already yeah. creating friction at that other show. And of course, we have Large William on the border, all full of uh, uh, pastries and coffees and dark Mexican <laughs> roast. Ooh, that sounds delicious. To- hey, with a hint of toasted marshmallow, it's fantastic. He, Wait, what? He, now yeah. you lost me. That's a it's little so sweet. good. Oh no, it's a it's a hint. It's not much. Just enough to go. What is that? Yeah, it's uh, it's a dark Mexican roast with bittersweet uh, cocoa and a hint of of roasted marshmallow. It's uh, it's very subtle though. I mean, it's really subtle. Mm. It's it's tremendous. I'm intrigued, but a little frightened. I'll have to send you some. It's marvelous. Hmm, hmm. I'm going to think on this today. Large William trying to fight the Canadian stereotype of coffee and pastry. 
Yeah. Uh, who's in that battle on a daily basis? <laughs> yeah. Is all right. So that is what that is. Who's here now? What we are covering? Uh, the ladies chose. Uh, they shoot horses, don't they? Which is from uh, 1969. It's always hard to say. Maybe I should say that the way it's said. They shoot horses, don't they? Uh, it's really hard to ever say the title of the movie because every time you say it, you want to just say they shoot horses, and then you feel like you have to add, don't they? Otherwise, you're wrong. Yes. Which is from uh, 1969, the great year of 69. And uh, then we chose Dark of the Sun, which is a, a film that couldn't be more similar, I guess, the They Shoot Horses. <laughs> Uh, from 1968, directed by one Jack Cardiff, uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They is... I think uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't it. They is a shot-for-shot remake, yes. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Very close. Correct. Yes. yes. Although I don't think Jim Brown can hang with the manliness of... Sarah's Jane, in. You know, or Jane Fonda, for that matter. Yeah. All right. So that is what we're doing. So you will, like I said, you'll hear They Shoot Horses, Don't They on this feed, and you will hear our review of Dark of the Sun on uh, the Feminine Critique uh, podcast feed. So there you go. Everybody get to it. Get on it. Rock on. All right. So uh, also as part of this show, what we're going to do is we're going to just do what we've been watching from two of us and then what we've been watching from two of us on the other part. So it's also everybody will catch on. It'll, it'll, it'll be great. So. All right, so Basically, who, we're manipulating you, so you have to go to our feed. <laughs> yes, nah. That's essentially what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what promotional stuff is. That's what it is. Yeah, manipulation. Exactly. So. Geniuses, these gentlemen. <laughs> we don't cross pollinate easily, fellas. Let us tell you. Sadly, Will and I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so who wants to go first? Uh, just pony up. I don't care. And uh, I'll go if anybody doesn't want to go or whatever. What we've been watching is what I mean. Go ahead, Rick. Go. Oh, okay, go ahead. I'll go ahead. Do it. All right. Um, okay, so I checked out uh, a few things. Uh, let's see. I got to make sure I wrote them all down. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, I checked out the Crossfire Hurricane, which is a Rolling Stones documentary. Oh, okay. Is this the theatrical one? Uh, I think it was a theatrical run. But what this essentially is is the filmmaker got access to the Rolling Stones uh, backstage, who are now you know very old men, or getting to be very old men. <laughs> and Where are they uh, always old. Men? <laughs> they seem like it, yeah. And uh, he wasn't allowed to film them. They they're very they're a very weird group of people. He wasn't a, he wasn't allowed to film them, but he was allowed to ask them anything about anything in their past. But they Did didn't he want audio to be, record them. Yeah, he audio recorded them, but he, they didn't want to be filmed talking about this stuff. But they wanted, they were they were allowed to be audio recorded. So they talked about some. We've all got our thing. Basically, this is about the kind of the decadence of the Stones, the kind of uh, you know the drugs, the uh, uh, Keith Richards who's denied sometimes that he did heroin. Well, he really goes into massive detail about how far he went into that and. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and basically, they just because there's so much footage of the Rolling Stones shot over the years, because they've been doing this now for like 50 years. I mean, um, wow, yeah. there's so it's much f- footage of them doing, uh, you know, performing and everything else. They just kind of talk over these montages and stuff. So it's kind of a, it's not a talking head documentary at all. It's kind of just like a reminiscent, kind of a nostalgic type thing. If you're a big fan of the Stones, it's probably a lot better. I'm, I'm a fan of the Stones, not a huge fan of the Stones, but... Um, you know, if you're like a like say if you're a gigantic fan, this is probably like you know, like celluloid porn. Yeah, porn of some sort. You know, stone porn. So, oh, I uh, wonder it's audio format. <laughs> Those Crown Royal bags hang low. Mm-hmm. But they go ooh, the, especially when they're at the age they are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, these these uh, but they go into a lot of the stuff. You know, a lot of the uh, past and uh, a lot of those infamous stories and stuff. And <clears throat> it's pretty good. It, I, I recommend it. It's pretty good. It's not great, but it's pretty good film. Did they touch on cocksucker blues at all? Yeah, they touched on a lot of that stuff. They touched oh, on a cool. lot of the dark stuff, and you know, it, it, it's good. It it's not bad. I mean, they, it's not politically correct. 
so much. That's what I guess you should get out of it. I guess that's why they did decided they, to call it Crossfire. Did they uh, touch on their guest appearance on Beverly Hills 90210? No, no, they did not. They did not. <laughs> there was an entire episode about all the kids going to a Rolling Stones concert, and at the end, Rolling Stones performed. Amazing. <laughs> and it's like the college years, so it wasn't even when it's in its prime. Wow. Is that, the, is that the one Bob Golick was on? No, that was with Saved by the Bell, my bad. Yeah, Golick, that's right. <laughs> well, that's, that's a nice poll. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of short shorts. Yeah, ooh, never mind. All right, uh, then uh, then there's another one. Speaking of short shorts, uh, maybe I wish, was uh, The Expendables 2. I watched The Expendables 2. Chanked <laughs> mm. out part two of The Expendables. Now, this movie, I fully, as a, as a guy, as an amateur critic, I fully recognize this movie is fucking ignorant. <laughs> All right, this is this this is. <laughs> there's this, a butt coming, isn't there? Uh, uh, this is a com. Oh yeah, there's a big butt coming. This is cool. a this is a comical. <laughs> I mean, this is this movie's just ridiculous. Some of the stuff with Schwarzenegger, Willis, and Chuck Norris in particular is is it borders on complete spoofery. I mean, it is it is baffling how this got. Oh, is occurred. it supposed to be though? Well, I, I there's. If you when you see the movie, there's absolutely no way that that somebody wasn't like, oh, this is a gigantic joke. Yeah, yeah, they, and that's how, and that's where the big butt comes from. I have to believe that they that they <laughs> this knew that they, you know this is ridiculous, guys. You know we're in our 60s. Some of us are in our 70s. <laughs> we we just we, you know this coming. Come on, it. I like the movie, but I would not if I was to score it. I would not give it higher than a six. <laughs> did you oh, wow. like it? Did you like it more than the first one? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, huh. really? Interesting. Yeah. Shocking. That seems Does to be. Does Statham um, at least show his ass in this one, or no? No, no. no. What the? F- well, not not as far as literally showing his ass. He does show his <laughs> ass sometimes when he acts. But oh, 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 but I'm th- there's 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 some good moments in the film. There's really actually there's some just like the first film. There's great moments between the cast members, like little vignettes. Just like little great moments. Um, but there's a lot of bad ones too, man. Where they're all talking about food, and you know. <laughs> They're asking Stallone, like, you know, what would you do if it had last meal? I'd eat donuts and, uh, you know, stuff that kills you. You know, I'm like, what the it hell? Sounds like the greatest movie ever. Uh, there's parts of it that oh, are, like, that right embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think it's, it was ad-libbed? Uh, do you think yeah. they were like, oh, it does. Just mess around. Why don't you talk about what I you ate yesterday? imagine that was. The food scene, I would have to say, was ad-libbed. Yeah, because it was pretty bad, but... It's it's really I mean Schwarzenegger is oh it's it's embarrassing it, it's really it's just I mean I was cringing you know you know that when you see something and you oh, just like you're embarrassed like for the person all the way oh god you know the, yeah the jingle all the way is a masterpiece compared to some of his acting in this oh. now I'm in um, but it I mean you know when there's lines of dialogue like I'll be back you'll always be back I'll be back oh yippee ki yay I mean come on <laughs> oh <laughs> it's like. <"Ooh." laughs> I just felt bad for him, you know. But at the same time, it is fun to see these old men uh, hang out, have a good time. Jet Li's barely in the movie, which I kind of knew about that. Jean-Claude Van Damme, once again proving that he has held up incredibly well, both physically and has turned into a very good heavy and a good action actor. I mean, uh, this guy, Jean-Claude Van Damme, is, is a, you know, I never thought I would ever say it, but he's a good actor. Interesting. So... He, him and Scott Atkins together is like the the bad guys, and Scott Atkins is his main henchman. Uh, great nice. stuff, great stuff. 
it's still a good film. Uh, if you love these guys, or if you love just two of these guys, or whatever, it's still fun. But uh, if you love Dolph Lundgren, it's a good, it's a good yeah, film. Yeah, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren's pretty funny in the movie. I have to admit, he, he's he's really good. He has some of the best moments in the movie. It's true, and he really does. I'm glad. I'm glad you feel that way too, because <laughs> I walked away from that being like, "Yep, Dolph uh, Lundgren." Especially, <laughs> especially the, the the fact that they used the chemical uh, engineering thing that you know he kind of because in real life you know he's a genius level. Yeah. yeah. And he makes well, the bomb. Didn't, yeah. didn't his character die in the first one? Was I? Did I not get that? That's kind of what I thought. Too. I'm not. I'm not really. Like, <laughs> I'm not really sure. He kind of walked to the, I feel like he kind of walked away with the first movie <laughs> that they were like, "Well, we got to bring Dolph back by yeah. resurrection." Apparently, Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah, I, I felt like he had like this big sacrifice. And then I'm like, maybe I wasn't smart enough to understand a plot point in the Expendables. I don't. I don't really know when it comes to the Expendables. If if when you watch those films and if you watch them back to back, and I'd imagine some point in time, maybe if me and Will and I keep doing this for 15 years or something, we might talk about these films. But mm-hmm. there's no logic, rhyme, or reason to any of these. And if you really think about it, most of the movies these guys star in. There is no rhyme or oh. reason to anything they do, so right makes perfect sense. So. Yeah, so it kind of all fits in. So, but I ended up laughing quite a bit. So I, I, that's that's why I'll say I enjoyed it because you know I did end up laughing yeah. a little bit. So, and Jean Claude Van Damme's appearance in the film is is one of those moments where you're like, "Fuck yeah, man! That that that's good shit right there." Uh, if you're a dude, I don't know if you're a female. If you feel that way, <laughs> I would still probably feel yeah. that way. If you're a dude, though, it's one of those high five moments where you're sitting with your buddy on the couch, like "fuck yeah, man," that's what I'm talking about, bro. <laughs> I don't know if I did that, but yeah. I, I, I did. I, I did enjoy myself. Well, well, Dylan was looking around for a high five, and you didn't give him one. No, so. he wouldn't go with me. I went. I went with. Well, that's right, because he hated. He hated the first one. He hated Shane the first one. Yeah, Dylan Santuri. He's not a fan. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I really wasn't either. Well, the first. Well, I went for Liam Hemsworth, and then we all know how that turned out. Yeah. Well, well if you see the movie, you know how that turned <laughs> so, out. Not well, that that's a huge spoiler. But. So anyway, so I moved on from that and decided, I, I was joking Will, you know, I'd recorded some stuff off on demand, and uh, so I'd recorded The Thing, the 2011 remake, off on, on oh. demand. And I, I had no intentions of ever watching this, but it's one of those things where, you know, once you get it, well, one of those things, it's where, where you get you, you <laughs> get you get access to it, and you think, you know, you know, I'm kind of in the mood to watch the thing, but not really because I've seen the thing a thousand times. Maybe I'll go ahead and watch this uh, prequel, quote unquote, see what it's about. Now, I liked the first like 45 minutes to an hour of this. Uh, I didn't love it, but I liked the first. You know, it's like oh, okay, okay. So you know, it's it's not too bad. It's got a you know, we got the female dynamic, which I was happy there was another female in the cast, so they kind of made sense to have a female in there. Because uh, you know, the first film. Everybody on this show is well aware. I mean, it's very much a, a macho movie in a lot of ways. It's all male cast. Uh, you know, it's 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 a you know it's a western essentially. It's or a something. dude film. Yeah, yeah, it's a dude film. Yeah, there you go. Another one of those high five couch films. Full <laughs> films propelled yeah. by testosterone. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So I had concerns about that element, but it worked out okay. And, uh, and what's his name? I can't remember the name. The guy that played the helicopter pilot. He was in Warrior. What's his what's his name? Edgerton. Joe I- Edgerton. Edgerton. I almost just said that guy. What's his name? He was real good in that, but I can't remember his name. He was, he was pretty. <laughs> That's his actual name. Yeah, he was pretty good, and there, there's some other people that are okay. Uh, Winstead, she's fine. Um, but man, this this thing falls victim to the the modern film, and not just horror film, but it does fall victim to the modern film thing that I hate the most, which is explaining everything. And mm. not only that, but it's just. Ugh. It's just I don't know. I I didn't need. We didn't need to. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I should really get into it, but I don't need to go. I think back. you should go take a shower. The yeah. way you're talking. Yeah. Don't go back to the spaceship. Is what I should essentially say. Come on, we've established the spaceship. You don't have to go back. <laughs> so, 
I don't know. There's a whole bit of explanation to the creature and, and this bullshit. And I did like the in credit thing. I don't know if you, for those of you who have seen it, uh, the in credit thing is a nice little in between the credits of the film. It's the setup to the helicopter opening of the of the original thing. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? I do remember that. Because yeah, I kept thinking, nice. because I'm such a fan of the original, and I know all of us are pretty much. Sure. Uh, that I kept thinking, which one of these Norwegian dudes is the dude that's yelling out the helicopter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which one of these dudes is it? And finally, I got my payoff. And I, and I finally got my dog scene, and I got everything. So that moment was like really, you know, I got the douche, not the douche chills, but, you know, kind of like a happy little, ooh, that's so cool. You know, that moment was pretty cool. I wish they would have referred to the other camp more often because, that, that I don't know, I, I felt like they could have tied it more. But there was, there was a bit of a disconnect, I felt, too. Yeah. Like it didn't, yeah. Yeah. So there could have been some stuff, but it does fall. It's long too, man. I think it's like almost two hours long, and it's uh, oh damn it, it's over explaining itself, and there's computer graphics going crazy, and some of the thing elements are not very creative. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, not a recommend. And I saw Christine was not a fan either because I'm no. following her on Letterbox and I watch her rate movies. <laughs> all right. So which one of you ladies would like to go? Because that's all I watched outside the movies for the show. Okay. Um, Christine, would you like to go? Or do you want I'll me to go. I, I can go. That's fine. I have my little listy up. Very nice. Um, so I've been doing that thing where I'm trying to catch up with 2012. So nice. um, bear, bear with me. I, um, I, I saw uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. The, oh. oh, yeah. Uh, what is it? Mark Duplass? Is that I say yeah. that? Right? Oh, yeah. okay. That um, Aubrey Plaza movie, and um, if if I ever do a year end list, this will be on it. I loved it. You are gonna do one, and you're gonna call it in or email it. <sighs> I know. Show. I I'm so bad at doing it though. Um, <laughs> I get so stressed out. Uh, but, but I really enjoyed this movie, and I completely acknowledge that it's probably not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was really sweet, and it was really well done, and it was really fun. Um, I also saw Red Dawn. <laughs> The new then, oh no no <laughs> it was so bad. Um, I don't like the original though. No, oh, okay. I think the original doesn't make sense, and I think there's real <laughs> huge pacing issues in the original. And unfortunately, this one suffers from the same pacing yeah. issues. It's really oddly Would, mapped out. Do you think maybe the Expendables and the Expendables Two are trying to kind of recapture the original Red Dawn in a lot of ways? Because it makes they make no sense. And now that I think yes, about I it. believe that that's probably very true. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, I liked Red Dawn for 25 minutes and then people started fighting and it was those awful quick cuts and everyone was wearing camo and I didn't know where anybody was and I was like, what is this movie? So I, I, you can just skip that, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I also watched Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, yes. <laughs> which, which I enjoyed quite a bit more than Red Dawn. Um, I, I talked about it on one of our last shows when I watched Wanted. I love that one dude whose name I can't say. The um, Timur Kajolov. That guy. Oh, yeah. Love that yeah. guy. Beck Yeah. <laughs> unf- filmmaker. Unfortunately, he was really playing up the wanted card on this Abraham yeah. Lincoln. There's scenes in there that are, yeah. they're just like that. They're that whole movie. Like yeah. there's a train. I, don't know. I got mad. I'm, I, I'm a big I, fan of wanted. Yeah, I like him a lot too. But he really is in love with his shit. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. There's there's whole things I'm like oh well if I wanted to see this again I could have just watched Wanted mm-hmm. so um yeah I, I guess look at it. it I think I only gave it a six point five I feel like I liked it more than that um but, but I would say look at it but don't expect too much from it um and then I watched The Last King of Scotland which ah. is not from this year but I watched it anyways and I don't know how I feel about that movie and if anybody else sitting here right now saw it did you like it because I don't know if I did. 
I've not I saw seen it back it. in the day, right? Like around when it came out, I saw it. And it it's a good movie. It's hard to argue that. It's it's well acted and such, but it's just one of those movies I'm like, I don't want to watch this again. It's yeah. kind of sad. And it's it's a frustrating one because it's hard to ever uh, I mean, it doesn't let you get on anybody's side very easily. And I kind of like that because the James McAvoy character is kind of an asshole, which makes it more interesting, but also kind of keeps you very distanced from it, I think. Hmm. I don't know. There's something about it. I was talking to somebody on Twitter, um, Doug, actually. Yeah, Doug. Um, oh, yeah. On Twitter about um, how, the t- how tonally it's really like campy and off the wall and like like super goofy and then like really dark and that they did that on purpose, obviously, to like juxtapose two things going on. <laughs> but I... Didn't it didn't work for me? So like, maybe uh, it just wasn't my kind of movie. Again, like Expendables two. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it can all be tied back. It can all be tied back to Expendables two, the movie that will change cinema. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's all for me. I didn't have much. The only comment I have on Scotland, I'll say to kind of get my, I did really like uh, Whitaker in it, but I didn't really. Yes, it, it, I, I'm, I'm with them. I if I never see it again, I wouldn't be. Brokenhearted. I have no interest in ever watching it again. So I feel like it was one of those movies when it came out. It it was really like highly touted, and people were like, "Oh, this movie." And so I, I guess maybe my expectations for it were a little weird. Yeah. I think so. Whitaker was nominated for an Oscar for it. I think he won the Oscar for it. Yeah, yeah he did win. Well, yep. There you go. Which I, is deserved. I mean, he did a wonderful job. But. Yeah. So there you go. Guy should have been in Expendables too. I'm sure he'll be a third. He could have yeah. played Bruce Willis as well. Yeah. He could have been in there eating pastry. <laughs> Will's got me thinking about pastry like crazy this morning. I'm fucking starving too, man. No, I haven't had breakfast. Damn it. So good. All right. So, and, like, and I have no idea. Will was describing this pastry, and I, I don't quite understand what it is. But oh no, my, that was my coffee. Him. That was my coffee. No, no, no. You were also earlier. You were talking about this like bomb shaped, oh. shell sprinkled thing. Yeah, with cream filling. Yeah. Like I don't know what it actually looks like, but in my mind, it, it's golden and sparkles and tastes like heaven. It's so, oh my god! I can take a picture of one on a break and send it to you. <laughs> it's so, okay. It, I mean, it might be a letdown actually. <laughs> I told you guys. It's, sil- it's silver and god. golden. It's silver and golden it's a uh, they're basically it's bum shaped yeah. with a cream in the middle you can eat it all day yeah. <laughs> like a peach with with one actually i'm not even gonna go there we have ladies on the show yes <laughs> don't oh. offend the ladies right <laughs> often are called that <laughs> all right so we are going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to talk about they shoot horses don't they <laughs> and, <laughs> don't they don't they do that don't they Uh, So that's what we'll do. We'll be back right after this. If you're enjoying this podcast, perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast. You watch your tone, young lady. Hey, we're not forcing you to download the Internet's best or at least most booze-filled podcast about Glee. You want to be me. Who doesn't, Sue? But we know we can't be. Instead, Erica and Emily. Uh, Emily and Erica. Who am I? I just don't know anymore. I'd love to stay in chat, but I got a satellite interview. Sorry, we get off topic a lot. The point is, listen to GleeCast following every new episode of Glee. Plus, our sporadic bonus content on some of the greatest bad cinema that incorporates musical theater or sweet dance moves I'm going to ask you to smell your armpits the right or the left that's the smell of failure failure smells like dove mine has a pleasant lady speed stick scent kind of makes me think of candy canes your resentment is delicious visit gleecast.potomatic.com or search for us in the itunes store that's gleecast with a k part of the palaver.com family that's p-a-l-a-v-r.com boy the only thing missing from this place is a couple dozen bodies limed and rotting in shallow graves under the floorboards we're working on that 
That's the way if love must have its day Then as it kind of music I sing when I'm eating my pastries. That's the kind of music you play when you're drawing me a bubble bath in Cincinnati. <laughs> I love to draw bass. <laughs> it's one of the few things I can draw. You need a pastry so. inside of it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, we're going to cover uh, They Shoot Horses, don't they? Now, I originally sadly watched the uh, wrong film. I originally watched they, uh, they Suck Horses, don't they? Which was sent over to me by Zom, and I really don't have... <laughs> By way of Germany? Yes, but I really don't have much to review, or, you know, maybe a couple words review for it. I think I'll go ahead and let me say what I expect. Speaking of, speaking of, I'm beat you there. There we go. Okay, I'm done with that. Speaking of cream, cream-filled pastries. <laughs> yes, there we go. Ooh, cream-filled carrot sticks. There we go. La bet, la bet. La bet. All right. Uh, a little in-joke there. All right, so the, they shoot horses, don't they? 1969, directed by Sidney Pollack. The ladies chose this one. <clears throat> I'll uh, go ahead and synopsize, if you don't mind, uh, ladies and please, gents. please, please do. Uh, the lives of a dis- dis- disparate, yeah, disparate group of contestants intertwine in an inhumanly grueling dance marathon. A lot of fancy words in there, man. That's a beautiful <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go to Very large. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go to Large William, who had never seen this before. I had seen this a couple times before, back in the early Laserdisc days. Uh, to kind of throw back and show my age. <laughs> um, Weird how laser discs sound so futuristic, but they're a thing of the past. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. a giant frisbee now, basically. Um, Large William, what do you think? Okay, so you know, I was saying to Rick off the air to be even completely more transparent. I really didn't even have that much of a notion of what this film was. I had this foggy notion of it being sort of like a a very meta kind of um, uh, satire in the vein of like Blazing Saddles or something. (laughs) You could speak it that way. (laughs) Were you super surprised? (laughs) Well, luckily, right before I I watched it, I, uh, I, because I knew Paul got that, wait a sec, something doesn't add up here. This can't be what I think it is. You know, and it's ironic because Pollock, you would think we would have done Three Days of the Condor or the Yakuza or something, but yeah. You know, but this is uh, this is our first Pollock, which is cool. So, um, yeah, as far as the film goes, um, you know, I do want to talk about the cast because it does have a pretty interesting cast. Yeah. Very much. Um, fellow Canadian, Michael Sarazen. Yes. Who has always reminded me, because I, I came kind of late to the Sarazen game. I've only seen his films in the past seven, eight years. Um, Quebecois? He, yeah, Quebecois. <laughs> he, uh, he reminds me of Topher Grace. I can see that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah, totally tough. Crossed yeah. with Art Hindle. So here's yeah, yeah. Here's what we need. Comedian. We we need a we need a biopic made of uh, Sarazen and uh, Rod Taylor, starring Robin Williams and Topher Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. But you know, Sarazen, he was really good. And actually, speaking of Canadian films, a pickpocket film, a Canadian one that the Bryn turned me on to called. Harry in your pocket, which uh, which is quite good, and I'll recommend it. It's yeah. got a great porn title too. Yeah, so. it does. Hang on, <laughs> yeah. hang on, I think I got a sound effect for that again. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's not fitting in your pocket. No. Um, That's how I start my Sundays. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's like, you know, one of my favorite <laughs> perforated. I have, I have nothing to say to that. Whoa. One. <laughs> One yeah. more, one more bit of uh, uh, Sarazen. He's in a film that I feel nobody has seen except me. That I think everybody should see, and it's called The Reincarnation of Peter Proud. Peter Proud, yeah, man. That fucking movie is awesome, and people yep. should definitely check it out. It's a Jay Lee Thompson film. It's him, Jennifer O'Neill, and Margot Kidder. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I'm like you now. Fincher she was going to Margot Kidder. I'm yeah, there. yeah. Fincher was going to remake it, and I haven't heard anything about it. And I kind of hope he does. It's a great film. Uh, definitely look look for it, guys. Everybody. So uh, definitely. Um, so yeah, Jane Fonda, who you know uh, was one of I think maybe maybe the best actress of the seventies, one of them at least. You know, she did a few films that uh, you know I really enjoy. So it was interesting to see her, which I was excited to see. Um, Gig Young making a second appearance in the show. I think he hasn't been on since uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, Bonnie Bedelia, Bruce Stern, a favorite I'm sure of all of ours. Man, yeah. a very young Bonnie Bedelia. Very young. Very young. You know, she looks quite. What, um, what about the guy that played Turkey? Huh? 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 Little, yeah. little grandpa, yeah. little grandpa right. monster. Grandpa right? Lewis himself. Yeah, that's I remember right. when he ran for governor. Oh wow! Yeah, did not know that. I can't remember when I never saw him without a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of horses. Um, but uh, who else was I going to say? Oh, uh, red buttons too. Oh, yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. But um, there's not enough Dern. I do want to say there's not enough Dern. I don't, does Dern even have like? More than a handful of lines, if that. He, he only has a few, and which is a shame because I yeah. thought that character was really interesting, and I thought it was, was going to go more places than it did. So I was a little disappointed. Yeah, me too. I, I felt like um, just kind of get ahead of myself. I felt like you know being a fan of Dern and having an ensemble. I feel like sometimes Pollock Pollock's insistence on two or three characters uh, squanders the opportunity to have to utilize that ensemble more effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the film opens up, and I want to say that's the boardwalk. Is it like Atlantic City or something that it's like keeps flashing back to? Am I right in saying that? Well, I think they're actually in California. I, I got a real heavy Atlantic City feel too, but I it, think it is the Pacific Ocean. I believe. Yeah, it, it uh-huh. feels because it feels right. so Atlantic City, but I because the book is set in California, and that's why they are always talking about Hollywood mm. and how all these you know hopefully big name directors are coming to see them. Oh, so yeah. I'm pretty sure it is set specifically in California. Maybe it's it just double. feels like such a rundown part of it. it. It's all. It almost feels like uh, speaking of Dern, a film I adore, uh, The King of Marvin Gardens, like the winter scenes at the beach in Atlantic yeah. City with Nicholson and Dern. Um, it's but it's, they, I, I it's shot help. in California. I know that. Wow, very strange. Santa Monica and uh, Burbank. <laughs> no, but you you weren't the only one that got the Atlantic City feel because I totally did. Because oh, until yeah. I for the first like couple couple beats, I was like, I really feel like they're in Atlantic City. Yeah. But then they well, started the, saying weird stuff. The atmosphere of it too just feel because when I think of Atlantic City, like you just think of 
this boardwalk and, and you know this place where and, people and used to go to have end fun. End of the road really and desperation. And yeah, 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 desperate and yeah. grab, and that's exactly sleazy. Like, feeling that you get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of sleazy. It is. Yeah. If you've ever been there, if you've ever been there, it's pretty sleazy. You know. It is because it feels so not Vegas. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like the total opposite of not Vegas. It's like you know, it try, it wants to be. It's like you know, but it's just so drab it has and no sleazy. Shot whatsoever yeah. at it. Dirty water. Um, but yeah, and even you know, early on, I noticed, and the film does this a lot. It um, it's kind of jarringly edited, which is something I don't I don't typically think of as as being in Pollock's um, skill set. Like it almost feels like it almost feels like this is was like. Um, a European making an American film to me. Mm, I could see that with the kind of flash forwards the in a way. Fl- yeah, the lost moves. Um, but uh, yeah, it does feel that way to me. And even like they, they use a lot of kind of fun house, which I think is more in line with uh, the tone of the mood of the film and what they're saying with the film. But almost like this, uh, this fun housey kind of close ups they use. Oh, yeah. Because Gig Young is kind of like a carnival barker, you know, he's the ringmaster. You know, so you really kind of get that sense from a stylistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm nodding vigorously at that. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, I was going to, wow, talk about Freudian slips. I was going to say Thomas Jane was beautiful in this film. <laughs> um, Jane Fonda was beautiful in this film. Yes. And again, back to God, she was a goddess, man. Just so fantastic. And it's a shame, too. I was thinking about this this morning uh, as I was, you know, getting making coffee. It's It's sad that uh, wow, you know she was born with the name Lady Jane. Oh, jeez, poor thing. Her, her first real name is Lady Jane. Yeah, well, good <laughs> lord. And, Almost and, famous. And she has uh, it's Lady Jane Seymour Fonda. So yeah, why the hell she wow. has a Seymour in there? I have no idea either. So wow, <laughs> but uh, it's a shame that you know as she's gotten older. I don't know if it was by choice, and she's content to just be Ted's. She was content to be Ted's. Um, Muse, but it's a shame that you know actresses of a certain age do get marginalized and just kind of, you know. Yeah, when you think of the work she did up until like the you know what end of the seventies, and then you just had this you know I mean she was making money she was doing her workout videos she was yeah. married to a billionaire, but you think of how many years you lost of probably really great performances you could have gotten out of her, oh, and man. then I mean she still hasn't really come back. No. Right, was the did monster in law was kind of the only thing she's done, I think, the since really visible thing, yeah. yeah, just such a shame. It is she's so good. Well, she, yeah, is, she is, she has said though that also you know the roles didn't really, you know, well, that's that's kind of where I was going with it. it I think it's a testament or an indictment of of the system, right? Only a few actresses have been able to navigate that water, but even yeah. now you're starting to see less and less surrounded. But again, I don't know how much of that is. Well, she does start playing the mom now, right? All well, the time. They well, do not, like Jane Fonda is the grandma and stuff. Yeah, she's yeah. the old battle axe, which is like really depressing. It's insulting. <laughs> I mean, I think again, it's it's um a testament to how narrow-minded filmmakers. And also, you know, you look at someone like Almodovar; he uses women, oh, you know, yeah, beautifully. I mean, even older women. I mean, he takes a woman. How familiar are you guys with um with Trailer Park Boys? Oh, very, because it's all oh, I'm not. watching. Okay, so you know Bubbles. Yes, I know Bubbles well. Okay, so there's a, an older woman that Almodovar always uses in his films, Chus Lampriev. She looks like a female grandmother version of Bubbles. <laughs> but he uses her brilliant. She's always She always puts in a great turn, and that's kind of my point. Like a lot of European filmmakers, they they get it as far as being able to utilize these women. Uh, yeah, and you look at like Catherine Deneuve has, you yeah, know, uh, she's been working fine. And it's, yeah, how much of its culture is just <clears throat> frustrating, I, uh, sad. 
I think it. I think it's that you hit it right on the head. It's it's a European thing. Like it's yeah. like they were they respect and 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 even if you look at old films, older women in European films were still looked upon as sexy or mm-hmm. as people. Whereas in American film, once they get past a certain age, they're almost always the mom. Or they're right. almost always the grandma, or the, mm-hmm. the it's it's a weird American thing that we you know we're we're devi- de- defined by our youth, our obsession with youth. I don't understand it, but it is. Yeah, what it's we too are. bad it's because weird. a lot of the most yeah. interesting or fleshed out characters, especially as we get older, I think uh, the four of us, mm-hmm. I think there's something very um, fascinating about being seeing people at a certain point in their life, looking back and being reflective and having the experience and and in life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's even what I say about a lot of horror movies. Yeah, is that the the best thing a horror movie can do is give it a diverse cast, which is why I love um, what the the Mulberry Street and Stakeland guys do. Oh yeah, they always have like middle aged people and young people, and they have this great variety. And it just instantly makes it more interesting to see like a forty-year-old mom running away from a zombie versus a bunch of twenty-year-old kids. Yeah. Like it just, it's also eight to it. It's infinitely more believable too, because in yep. what situation are you ever going to have like, like surrounded by five like gorgeous, a, a 20. attractive twenty-year-olds? Exactly, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And how are you ever supposed to believe anybody's had life experience when they clearly haven't had life experience? And and how you know? I think it's also the point now where you know they've become resigned to the fact that we're only going to cater to that, you know, because that's our market. And it's like, well, hang on a second. If you 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 give people skin in the game by having someone they can relate to. Right, you're isolating a large cross section of your oh, yeah. your viewership. But anyway, but yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, another thing too about this film that I found interesting was the way it kind of it doesn't give us it doesn't flesh things out much. I mean, we're immediately thrust into the dance competition. Oh yeah. Like I think there's five maybe five minutes of lead up, and it's like, okay, <clears throat> here we go. Well, you get Which, that very whimsical <clears throat> opening. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, Which, you definitely do. Well, you kind of learn about it on the way, just because. It, some of you, because you have Sarazen is kind of the like in character because he's your sort of fresh faced, has never done this before. And then you have uh, a couple of the other guys who like Red Buttons, who's been doing these dance marathons his whole life. And even Bonnie Bedelia and um, the Bruce Stern character, they talk about they've done it before. So they all know and they throw out tips like, you know, you should get off your feet now. Uh, oh no, not the Derby. Like you have all of these hints throughout where I don't, I don't feel like you're ever lost because. You're learning it along with some of the newer characters, as far as what yeah. this is and how it works. Oh, for sure. I don't. I, I never felt out of place, but a lot of films of the time would have spent, you know, twenty, thirty minutes, almost as if it was a travel or road film leading yeah. to the competition. You know, small scenes or vignettes with our our principals in the film, but it kind of takes us right into it, which which works perfectly fine. Um, and I like that this film's a bit body. It's a bit salty. A lot of times, when, when people look at um, when they look at this era, it's always very reverent, and it's it's that thing of you know when you look at the past, it You're tends about to the thirties. Well, the thirties, or even us, let's say, when if we were going to look at you know the early eighties, we think of it in very nostalgic and and not sanitized. I don't think we're intending to sanitize it, but you look at things through rose-colored glasses, but I like that this is a bit kind of body and down and dirty. When it comes to the 80s, though, yeah. Yeah, When it it comes to the 80s, though, you're not looking through rose-tinted glasses. You're looking through a Vaseline-smeared camera lens. (laughs) Or Venetian. uh, I was thinking the Venetian neon glasses. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand. And And somehow, some way, you're looking at it from a distance and probably through a window like Brian De Palma. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's right. That's right. That's what the um, 80s remind me of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Did you know anything about dance marathons, Will, before you watched this? Brother, I'm Canadian. What do you think we do in the winter? Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. Come on. <laughs> That wasn't the response I was expecting. Well, we, we've been doing this. We've yeah. been we've been doing this podcasting game for a while. Obviously, I said he, I just laid the alley oop up there, just threw it right up yeah. there, and the guy slammed that it. That was home. amazing. Great match, sir. Yeah, my my grandfather showed red buttons those moves early on, man. Nice. Yeah, I was I was rug. I was thinking when Red was cutting that rug with the tap dance, I was like, dude, pace yourself. Yeah, I know, man. Me too. I'm like, motherfucker, you're going to be tired very soon. But he, the thing is, like, oh, come on. And he's showing it all because you have, like, other people are pacing themselves, and you see that. You see that, like, the very first scene is everybody's dancing in the Charleston, and then, like, you, but some people aren't, and you're like, oh, they're smart. That would have like been Red Buttons does that because Red <laughs> Buttons is, like, the, the whole time they just keep kind of making fun of him and saying, like, oh, look at this old, old sailor. And I feel like he takes that moment to be like, you know what? Let me show these kids and I know how it's done and I am a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And so he does it. And it's also, I mean, later on you get Hunger Games aspects to it. There's yeah. a sponsorship thing mm-hmm. yeah. where you kind of do have to make a splash. Yeah. So I feel like he throws it out there and then after that he knows how to, how he pulls it back. But I feel like that is a very specific character choice to say – like I am not as old as I look. Here we go, and yeah. now I'm gonna now I'm just gonna sway. There's a lot, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in this film that holds up and still the modern sensibilities of what we consider entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, for sure it does. And the, I think I mean, this, it's a reality show completely. Yeah. That, that, exactly, that's what I was about to say. It absolutely is. Yeah, you know, because we we like to see people suffer, um, or to be able we, to judge. Yeah, of course. That's right, the, and you don't get um, the crowd doesn't really start coming until they start suffering until they're broken down they're yeah, yeah lo- nobody I, wants to come watch until yeah. they can come and see people with disarrayed makeup yeah. and yeah, I love you know, that touch. hanging on the floor and it's such a big part of it i love yeah i love that i love in the beginning it's like so sad there's like 15 people in the audience it's just mm-hmm. pathetic it's just like oh there's my Susanna god york trying so hard to be charming by, yeah. by, by the end of it gig young's got a fucking tux on he's going insane you know it's yep. like it's just, you know, it, the, the show, you know, and, and the scenes with Gig Young talking about, you know, it doesn't matter. That doesn't make that's not what people want. That's not entertainment. Mm-hmm. Those moments and even that little kind of poignant moment of him talking about how he used to be the one that got secured by his dad was a traveling uh, uh, evangelist. Yeah. Kind of like so. And he used to be the one that always got cured and stuff. These kind of moments where he just knows how to sell things are really great. And, you know, oh, yeah. He won the Oscar for this. He won a Best Supporting Actor for it. Yeah, yeah it's really, a great turn. Yeah, he does. It's really, and for me, it's his movie. Uh, I mean, he really kind of goes full bore on it and stuff. And the weird thing about Gig Young was he never really was very happy about winning this Oscar. He thought that, you know, mm-hmm. by winning this Oscar, he would always be the supporting guy in everything he ever did. <laughs> and Yeah, he, he was a guy, I think his whole life <clears throat> was, was um, depression. Yeah, he right? wanted to be the leading uh-huh. man in everything. <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, so, so he was God, happy. Some people are never happy. Yeah. yeah, he was happy winning an Oscar, but he was at the same time he thought it was the end of his career, which is very odd because usually it's the beginning of your career, actually. Yeah, especially for a supporting actor, you win that, and then they yeah. start giving you the stuff. Yeah, he, he felt like it was exactly. the end, so it's very strange. You need to win the intercontinental title before you can get a shot at the heavyweight title. <laughs> yeah, that's right, baby. But uh, you know, I, I want to say white people power walking is a sight to behold. <laughs> Good Did Lord. you watch it at the Olympics this year? No, it's so walking? ridiculous. Speed walking is so ridiculous. Oh God, especially near the end, man. People's legs are wobbling, and like you, know. you just watch it thinking like nobody's gonna have sex with that person after this. Like, yeah, it's so awkward. It's worse than sexy again. It's worse than like um, like aunt and uncle dancing at a wedding. It's so terrible. <laughs> 
Oh here. man. <laughs> so, so it. <laughs> um, when and you know a lot of this film feels very kind of tragic comic, like you know when there's like the fat guy goes down and you want to laugh, but it's like this is so awful, mm-hmm. you know. And it certainly works. And again, it, it's it really is that whole thing like we we're talking about this. We want to see this misery unfold on screen, right? It's it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. Now, does anyone know what the genesis of this film was? I, I think it was adapted from a novel, correct? It was. I actually read the novel. The novel's oh, wow. really really quick. The novel's about 130 pages. It w- it when it came out in the 30s. It was written of its time. Oh wow. And it's very, um, it's very pulpy, I guess. It was yeah. not well-received when it came out. didn't make any money. And then it got, it, it became a hit in French existentialist circles. Oh, yeah. Like, they picked up on it. We're like, oh, this is a, a dark tale about the mankind and, and <laughs> being no meaning. So then it eventually, it like, and it was in development hell for years. The writer, um, the novelist was a depressive and alcoholic and, you know, ended up dying penniless and kept trying to get it sold. And then it eventually like fell into a bunch of different hands before it got to Sydney Pollock. So it was a long time germinating and it works and it weirdly works. I think so well, because if you would, I mean, it could have been a really interesting movie if it was made in 1940, Mm -hmm. just because you kind of wonder how they would approach it then. But with the distance, it, I think it works incredibly well. It does, and it feels it's a film that, in in a way, well, not in a way, it is very timeless. I think if if it was going to be done in the '40s, you'd need someone like a Fritz Lang or someone who had the awareness to to realize yeah. beyond to look at the subtext of what the film really is, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's which important. is hard when you're so when you're not that removed from the material yet. It's true, but I think also just as commentary, right? You know, the whole thing of it being society in general, Western society, American society, you know, the whole microcosm. But I think that you know, if anyone can look at that, it's hard. You're like you said though to remove yourself sometimes from that. Um, I'll just get, go through a couple more things very quickly. I love how the further we go along, just how much more kind of twitchy and wild-haired and wide-eyed York and and pretty much everyone gets. Like she looks like just meth bender. Oh yeah, there's one scene where they just they cut to her face and it's just, I, it's a scary sight. Oh man, she looks her like, eyes just keep moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Exactly. That, that's probably the moment I was talking about too. Um, the film it, it stays very busy because I mean, is it, is it a dance contest? But I love some of the quiet moments, like with Jane just looking at the empty dance floor, and that they're very expressive. And I think again, it, I don't usually think of her. As much as I think of her as a great actress, I don't think of her as being someone who can be economical and expressive with just her face. But just even with sort of a, a subtle lip movement, or, you know, small mm-hmm. things she does in the quiet moments that I found I really appreciated in the film. Um, you know who I think has seen this film and was inspired by the Gig Young performance was Michael Shannon in the remake of uh, 13, Zametti. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, totally. I haven't seen this, but I have to. It's it's a mediocre film because the problem with the film but is... But if the, he's in it, I'll see it. Yeah, I know. He's, he, he's <laughs> good in it. He's good in it. But here's the thing. The original French version is a great film because it's it's no one you know. And right. it's it's very tensional because it's essentially... It's the same thing. It's sort of a reality show. Um, not reality, except it's just rich people betting in uh, in this house. It's a bunch of dead-end people that are playing Russian roulette. And you don't know who's going to... Who's who or who's going to win... But the problem with the Hollywood one is you have Mickey Rourke and this guy and that guy. So you know the Hollywood pecking order. So in your head you think, sure. okay, he's paid this much. He's going to be around until this point. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Michael Shannon character is very much gig young in this. Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting. So, yeah, it is, it's worth a watch, at least for some of the performances. I mean, Rourke and Shannon, fuck, you know, it can't really go wrong there. Um, 
I love the line, there can only be one winner, but that's the American way. Mm. Yeah. Great line. Um, what uh, what else do we got? Oh, just the, the... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was sitting there thinking, does does Grandpa Lewis, does Grandpa Munster even have one line of dialogue in the whole film? He, I was thinking the same. He I does. think he does. When he goes and... He goes in to get um, what's his face? Oh yeah, that's right. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah, he he did when the evangelist. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. Yeah, he basically said like, him, "Oh, you right? told me to wake you up." Yeah. Like, but that's eight. But that's basically oh, yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's basically it, though. Yeah, that's right. He is a, his performance is reaction shots. He, yeah, involved. I know. He makes some amazing faces while he's sitting there, though, <laughs> and he like bobs his head sometimes. It's kind of adorable. It really is. Nice. Yeah, a lot. Like we were saying, though, a lot of people, a lot of people that I would have liked to have seen them mm-hmm. be able to navigate between or toggle between would have been, you know, would have been good to see. Um, I, the ending for this film, you know, is is pretty heartbreaking. I think, you know, because again, they look at this as sort of meaning something. You know, just it's a small snapshot of, of and really typical of. You know, chasing that that dream, and you know, you get the broken dreams, which is why I thought the Atlantic City thing would have worked well. But mm-hmm. um, it it is a very heartbreaking ending without getting into too much uh, about it. No, those are all my notes. Okay. Uh, one of the uh, I guess, let me let me see if I got anything else here real quick um, before I let one of the ladies go a little bit more. Uh, I think we'll pretty much covered everything, and I kind of tossed a few things in there, tossed them. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, can you do our entire show in a French accent next time? <laughs> oh, we oui, oui. She's no, so I, good I, at it. I do that with one of our cats. Um, I like to think of as being like a French existential poet. Uh, and so I always speak in her cat voice is to speak like this. So I think I'm getting pretty good at it. You are. <laughs> My cats think I am. <laughs> Just don't ask me to do French. You sound like Gerard, Gerard Depardieu. Oh, <laughs> my father for the hero. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else to add to it. We'll pretty much covered everything. So when are you, uh, you, you ladies get anything? Christine, do you want to go first? No, go ahead, Evan. And then if, if, if no one's touched upon the few things then I want to say, then I'll jump in. All right. Um, I actually, I was the one who picked this film because I had seen it. I had seen half of it once where um, somebody was watching it and I kind of didn't know what they were watching and like halfway through it, I'm like, wow, what is this? And got very sucked <laughs> in. So I really wanted to revisit it. And um, a lot of things that I that really work for me, uh, I really like that the judges are on roller skates. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. It, in general, just gives you this instant, very nightmare feel. Yeah. Because they're just moving differently from the dancers who are already moving so kind of alien-like. Because once the kind of energy has worn off, they're just moving like zombies, but all in different ways. And I think that's something that's really effective is how um, everybody kind of has their own way of dancing because they're all trying to survive. And some of them are, you know, the woman, they'll keep saying like, oh, do you want to go to sleep now? Like where the woman will kind of sleep on the guy and then the woman will be holding up the guy at some point. And so just that the weird physicality of this, I think is so... Um, just makes you feel uncomfortable the whole time. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, the uh, one of the guys, Rolo. That's um, Michael Conrad. He's a great character actor. He was in uh, The Longest Yard. He played uh, Nate Scarborough, if you remember, Will. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, awesome actor. But he, he died. Sadly, he was on uh, Hill Street Blues. He died young, 58, I think. And Sarah's in two just last year. Yeah, he's only sadly. Yeah. The um, how... Uh, the with like the the dancing and the, and the moving, once the derby hits, how it's kind of no going back, 
And the Derby, which you'll, you know, comes about maybe about 45 minutes in, is when they have to start cutting couples quicker. So they do this kind of speed walking uh, <laughs> 10 minute marathon. Yeah. And they how, just, how did they keep track of who who was in last? Because I think they have they have judges counting. I don't know if they show in the book. So it's that's like, like there was still like a hundred something couples. That's yeah. a lot of people to keep track of. And I would have just walked really really slow. How would have they? How would they have known that mm-hmm. I was behind everybody? I could have been in front of everybody. That's true. I don't know. Yeah, the book there's a whole system because they have because then they get the audience involved and they have that's, like that's everybody in the audience is judged. Yeah. Oh, in in what way? No, I'm just I'm kidding. My biggest problem was the fact that I didn't understand the <laughs> rules of the derby. Yeah, I was like, I could cheat this system. So, <laughs> well, I love how, like around the derby is the time when they when the audience starts to get bigger again because like, oh, now it's you know it's the same as like if you go to a racetrack. It's like oh, I go to see the crashes. So you're like, that's when you're gonna you're gonna get the crowd when you do the demolition derby. And it's the same here. Once they do that, that's when they flash to the audience who is now like five times the size, and you see people have made signs for their favorites. Yeah. And so you see, like, you know, people like the sailor and people like um, Bonnie Bedelia because she's pregnant because she's like six months pregnant. And so it's when you start to get this crowd involved and they don't do too much with it. They do. I I think they do enough where they have like this one old lady who's just this crazy fangirl who comes (laughs) every day and and sits in the front row and and watches like and, you know, and, and kind of ducks when she's scared. But, you know, every day she's paying to be there and to watch these people suffer. Um. And again, it's it's very any movie you've watched, any battle royale or, or Hunger Games you've watched now. This is this is Hunger Games. With, oh, completely! But, like, but a dance contest version. <laughs> dance version. It is the dance break version of Hunger Games. Or, like it, with the sponsors and stuff. Uh-huh. I that really, yeah. Or even that Stephen King novella. What was it about the kids um, walking? Um, the longest, long, the long walk, right? Yeah, yeah the long walk. Yeah. And just and again, the fact that the crowd gets bigger as the the contestants get crazier and sadder and and deader in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it goes it feels into the whole idea of it being well when your life it's the 30s when all of these people who are coming to see this they're also not well off and they're suffering and it makes them feel so much better to see somebody else suffer yeah and it, it's just you know it's the old idea that we have today with reality shows and everything else of you know you always need to see somebody worse than you because that validates you somehow um i like just the um the it, and it's some of it's in the book and some of it's not. Some of it's created for the film. It's just the like language they've created for some of the things that happen. Like you know, the whole heel toe is when they're when they have to walk around the speed walking. But also they have this term called squirreling, which Ooh, is when, sounds like an, a silver and gold term. <laughs> yeah, it does. Ooh, ew, I'm just imagining how. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It does again. Um, I'm thinking about this again. It, it's like whenever someone's acting, <laughs> acting a little crazy, they start to say like, oh, is she squirreling? Is she, is she Which is like, did they go crazy? And it yeah, you yeah. see why it would happen. And sometimes they're able to bring them back from it just by slapping them and putting them in ice water. And sometimes, uh, you know, they are just going to go bonk, batshit bonkers because yeah. you just think of what you're doing. You're just standing up two hours every with a 10 minute break continuously and i forget how long it goes on here it's like about a month at least um you get the really sad heartbreaking uh part where bonnie Bedelia sings yeah mm-hmm. yeah she sings the best true. things in life for free and it's just like that, again you just what i wonder if that's really her singing I wonder if that's her. I don't know. That's a good question. It's. I feel like it could be just because it's very speak singy. It's. It doesn't sound like they would have needed to dub it because it's not like she sounds good. She sounds like 
a broken down pregnant woman who's been dancing for a month, <laughs> yeah, who's just trying right. to get people yeah. to throw pennies at her, essentially, which yeah. is what she does. Yeah. Um, there's just there's so many great shots of the dancers um, in these weird positions where at one point, um, and it's shortly after Bonnie Billy sings, where you get like now they're really really hurting, and you get um, like dancers who are in this like inhuman angle that. You just can't imagine anybody actually standing in, but somehow, like, it gives this very odd, like, Picasso-esque art look to it, because mm-hmm. you just have everybody standing in a different direction, and it doesn't look natural in the least. Um, and without giving anything away, um, the last shot and the exact moment that the movie chooses to end, I think, is perfect. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't want to say what it is, but it just... It, it involves the contest and where they leave you with the contest, I think, is just perfect to the theme of the film. And that's what I got. Mm, excellent. Christine, you got anything you want to add to it? Um, I don't have much else to say. Um, I, I know we're going to go into um, scores and stuff, so I, I don't want to be too um, transparent. But this fucking movie, this is like, <laughs> like if I could, if I could make a perfect movie it would be this movie like i it's so depressing and hopeless but sometimes that's exactly what you need in a film because everything isn't always sunshine and roses and i just really liked the way it was handled and i thought it was very beautiful and um i miss jane fonda it yeah yeah it really really broke my heart i was like where where is she this was so wonderful i miss a lot of people in this movie (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, girls, have you seen um, Coming Home? No. I oh, not. yeah. Okay. Christine. I have upon your recommendation, I thought. Yeah. Okay, and you enjoyed it, right? Oh, that's so good. Okay, She's Christine. so good in it. She, I, I cried in this film. It's so <clears throat> I good. I shall add it right now. Please, John Lloyd, Bruce Dern, oh, and Fonda oh, will all rip your fucking heart out. Yeah, the, the, Bruce so Dern, the Bruce Dern moment. Uh, it'll break your heart. Some, it'll break your heart in half. It'll break it. Oh, it's such. It might be my favorite. One of my favorite anti-war films or war film. One of my favorite mm-hmm. films of that era. It's so good. All right, it, it has been added. It's Hal Wicked. Ashby, bro. Yeah, coming <laughs> correct as always. Um, the only other thing I'll add, I did, I did add, write down one quote, then uh, it came from that scene where Rocky's talking about his dad oh. didn't know his ass from his elbow, which I always love when people say that. And uh, he also says, uh, <laughs> "My favorite thing." Well, we got a flat ass <laughs> and a flat ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bit, bitchy, you, you ain't got no elbow. <laughs> you ain't got no elbow. <laughs> what bitches in their elbows? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, but as my favorite line, he says in the whole film, and he's got a lot of great moments. I mean, I love the yowza, yowza, yowza. I love when he yowza, yowza, yowza. Uh, but he says uh, he thought it was him; they believed him, but it was me. I love that mm-hmm. because it sums up the whole Rocky character, the whole character yeah. that Gig Young is. And you know, and he, you guys- has, he has another great line, which is um, to Jane Fonda, which is, uh, "I may not know a winner, but I sure as hell can spot a loser." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a fantastic so line. Yeah, that, that's like right that's out of a Peck and Paul Western or something. <laughs> but <laughs> Gig, Gig Young, man, he he was so good, and it's really a shame that he, you know he deteriorated so quickly as an actor uh, because he was so good at one point, and uh, you know he just had so much potential, and he just you know. It's one of those Hollywood stories, you know. I, he was on the. I remember the great Hollywood story I've heard about Gig Young is he was originally cast as the uh, old gunslinger in Blazing Saddles. Oh, that man. that eventually went to Gene Wilder, who didn't oh, play wow. an old gunslinger, just kind of played a drunk gunslinger that was really fast. 
But he was there, and uh, they were shooting, and everything was fine and stuff. And the gig young just started vomiting up this like pus of some sort uh, that just like freaked everybody out, and uh, that he just couldn't function. He just couldn't. He couldn't do anything unless he drank. He'd got. He'd gone that far. By that point, he'd already been that far gone that he had to be completely just fucking blitz to even perform at all. So it's really a shame that he ever, you know, went down that road. But hey, tis life, I guess, for some. Shame. Yeah. Um, and that that and like I said, you know what what she said. I miss a lot of people in this movie. Uh, I was it was different watching this movie this time with a critical eye. Like I said, I'd seen it a long time ago, but watching it with a critical eye, there was some stuff. Some stuff I had some issues with. Let me say because we've all kind of given it praise, but let me just kind of give it a little bit. Of, there's some. I think the opening is a, almost a little too whimsical. Uh, it's almost it's almost mm. for me. It it is what it is, but it just almost feels like it's. You know, it's a little too Black Beauty or something. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Especially with the wraparound, how it kind of comes back at the end. Yeah, I think it it that could fall flat. It it's it, it was it's, kind of thing that like it worked for me, but yeah. I was like, if I was feeling a little more cynical, I would find this moment kind of cheesy. Yeah, it's poignant. Which I not cheesy at all. Yeah, the the bookends are poignant. They work. It just mm-hmm. it just I don't know. It's the slow motion. It's <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just a lot of that stuff. Right. So I had some issues with that, and then. I did have some issues with some of the, uh, like Will said, some of the editing. Some of it feels a little choppy. I had some problems, too, with the, I didn't really care for the kind of like almost like TV-esque like courtroom scenes <laughs> with the smoke. Yeah, I felt like oh, they, yeah. they didn't quite work for me at times. I would agree with that. But, Absolutely. But if weird. that had come any earlier in the film, it probably would have been big, a bigger issue for me. But mm-hmm. because it came in when it did, I was already so sold it, on everything. Yeah, it comes that in at a really like, odd point. It comes in like, I was like whatever, do what you want because I'm cool with this now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I, I don't know how much of that was just them because the book structure is like, the book structure is um, like every chapter is bookended with, um, I don't want to give it away. Because in the book, you kind of know what happened from the beginning because you have these spurts of what the judge is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like one sentence and then chapter and then the next sentence and then chapter. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was just them trying to preserve that aspect of it, but yeah, I don't know what it really does for the movie. Well, it's, it, it does one thing. It's, it's, it's a narrative hook because if you're watching the film, you think it's one type of film. And then when that first flashback or that first scene of that stuff comes in, you're like, huh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. What, what the hell's going on now? Uh, if you've never seen it before, you're kind of like, huh, what the hell? Okay. So something, mm-hmm. something dark happened. We just don't know what. Right, uh, so, and then on your second viewing, you're like, you do watch it differently without yeah, knowing yeah, that. Yeah, so I can. So the first time I saw it, I remember thinking, oh, okay, well, so, yeah, it's got my interest a little bit. Of course, this time around, though, I saw it a different way, and so that was some of the detriment of the film. But it, overall, this film is pretty impressive. I've I've gone on record saying I like Sidney Pollack more as an actor than as yeah, a me too. director. He is a good actor, but he had. He had a few films, and we'll mention a couple of them there. The Yakuza, the, the oh, fuck, the Kuza, the Yakuza, <laughs> the uh, the Kuza. Hey, the Kuza's a, hey, a, a zombie. Hey, baby, let me check out Yakuza. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll probably be that'll probably be edited out and used against my better judgment later. I don't know what that means, but I love it. Oozing <laughs> yeah. uh, from the Kuza. Yeah, um, and of course, Three Days of the Condor, like you said, some some yeah. like GGTMC esque type film. So wicked. But then he made a lot of films that I'm really not a fan of, like uh, mm-hmm. I think Random Hearts and stuff that I just have no interest in, very bland stuff. But I remember toward the end of his life, the uh, performance in uh, Michael Clayton, so good, so good. And he was great, great in a, in a small performance in Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, yeah, terrific. 
took and over. in that one episode of Sopranos, he's in one episode of The Sopranos, and he's so good in it. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say nine hundred two and zero. Oh, I got excited. <laughs> oh God! Wait a minute. Let me check. <laughs> Speaking of IMDb, up. We talked about the Stones earlier, and then Pollock on nine hundred two and zero. Oh, talk about this bookends right there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll go first on the scores and whatnot, we'll, and we'll score it like uh, GGTMC on this one. We'll score it like uh, Feminine Critique on the other. What do you say? Oh, Wicked. Okay. So. Um, we make a break for me. I like a lot of little moments in the film. I do think, like I said, some things were underutilized, but the thing I will be left with when I think about this film is the ending of the film um, and how tragic, it, how sad it is. You know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it really it really impacted me. Uh, MVT is Fonda. Yeah, she's fantastic. I mean, everyone's great, but I think they, as I said, I do think some people are squandered, but she's not, and uh, she puts in a great performance as someone who's just, bitter and trying to you know trying to fight to, to kind of get a slice of what you know that that dream that she life. arguably may be in the first 40 minutes of this film the most bitter character that's ever walked the face of cinema <laughs> yeah she is pretty bitter you know but it's uh you know it's it was it works great yeah it definitely yeah. works great she uh definitely so yeah she's my mvt let's go for the film is uh, I'm going to say. Let's see if I get a a seven point seven five out of ten. Okay, okay, all right. I'm there with you. I'm there. I'm there. Nearby. All right. Uh, okay, Emily. What do you we think? Huh? Um. Okay. For me, my make or break would probably be the commitment to ugliness, and nice. that the film is not afraid to make everybody look as sweaty and disheveled and crazy as they would be at this point. And I think that goes so far in selling it. Because if you wimped out on that, which would be very easy to do because, you know, it's Hollywood and you want people to look pretty, um, it just, this wouldn't pack the punch that it does. And the fact that you feel their pain, um, I, I think, is just vital to the effect of this movie. Um I don't want to, I didn't want to double anyone, but yeah, my MVT is also Fonda because again, it's, it's a really tricky character to play. Yeah. And the book, literally every other line this character has is I just wish I were dead. Like, cause that's how this character comes out. She's just like, I just hate the world. and want to die. And in the book, it's so overkill. It's just, you are tired of <clears throat> all this character has nothing redeeming at all in a way. And in the movie, she's, I mean, she's the same thing. Every line is, you should kill, you know, you shouldn't be having babies in this world. You shouldn't be having ambition in this world. It's, she is as negative a character as you can be. And yet Fonda gets you, you're on her side begrudgingly because you, you don't want to agree with her, but you, she makes you see her point and see it through her point of view. And I think the, it's not easy for an actress to play unlikable. And she does it amazingly. I think you nailed something that I didn't bring up. And I agree with you wholeheartedly because I think that it would have been, it is a slippery slope because we could have ended up not caring at all what happens. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we do kind of rally behind her really is a testament to her. Right. Especially when she's not trying to get you to rally behind her. <laughs> That's right. I mean, she's she's kind of an anti-hero in some ways. Yep. Um, it's, and it's a kind of role like you'll have, um, like when we talk about Dark, Dark of the Sun, <laughs> You know, Rod Taylor is kind of doing that. Like, he's not giving you reasons to like him, but, you know, you can, you're on his side anyway. And I feel like it's harder and rarer for that to work with a female. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
just because you're kind of naturally more inclined to not like a woman who's playing a bitch. Essentially. That's right. That's right. And yeah. And that she can do it so well and, and have you on her side without ever conceding or giving in to your sympathies. I think it's an amazing performance and not, and a really difficult one. Can I change my score to an eight? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do eight. Why not? Let's do an eight. Um, yeah. My score is an 8.5 for me. Nice. So, uh, nice. yeah, that's where I stand. Christine? Uh, um, my, what do we do first? Make or break? Yeah, make or break first. <laughs> my make or break, I couldn't think. My make or break is the derby scene. Um, mm. Just because that's when I kind of knew what I was in for. Like, this was not going to end well um, for anyone. So I really, I really enjoyed the way they kind of put that in there. I think it came at a really good time, too, because I, leading up to it, you could kind of tell that um, shit was going to hit the fan. But mm-hmm. that that really solidified a lot of my assumptions about what this movie was going to be. Especially uh, when you see how um, the people who've done dance contests before see the, them drawing the lines and know what yeah. it is. Yeah. And just the dread in their voices of like, oh, it, here we go. It really it really showed like how how bleak things were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, my MVT is the ensemble cast. Nice. As much as it infuriated me at times that more <laughs> things weren't explored because I think I think there's just so many stories that could have been told and I got yep. kind of sad that there they weren't, but that still I still appreciated that it existed. You could almost do like a say like a 6 a uh, six hour long, one hour each episode on this contest sure. with each one being a different story, oh, right? Yeah, each yeah, of each couple. Of and, view. and it would have worked Be- quite well. Because everybody is clearly a rich character. Everybody yes. has their reasons for being there. Everybody is doing it for their own specific end goal. And mm-hmm. it, and to know more about that would have been uh, gratifying, I guess. And and just to say, um, that's uh, one of the cases where like the movie expands so much on the book, because in the book you get a couple of these characters, but you don't get the rich backstory that I think the movie actually hints at more than the book does in a way, which is really not easy to do and, and not common. Mm. And then my score is um, an eight. Nice, nice, nice. I brought it up to make peace levels you. <laughs> I was like, Will stealing my score. <laughs> yes. I was uh, red buttoning it up, man. Yeah. To come into red buttoning. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a, something to go with squirreling. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to think about red button squirreling. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, I didn't have my sound effect ready. Anyway. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> I worked hard to get that horse sound effect. Very hard, well, if you sure know what I'm saying. You did. <laughs> How hard did the horse have to work? Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I had to get a massage afterwards. Anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my right wrist. Make or break. <laughs> scene between... Uh, F- my favorite scene in the film is the scene between uh, Fonda and Young when uh, Gig asks uh, everybody to leave the room and Jane Fonda and him were in the scene together. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, basically you get, you know, the dirtiness, the awfulness that is what Gig is. His character mm-hmm. is what Rocky is, and the real desperation and sadness of what Fonda is. In that whole scene, you get almost all of it. I mean, you get all of it, Fonda a lot through the film, and you get a lot of little hints at how just dirty and despicable the gig young character can be. But uh, at that moment, they just lay all their cards on the table and say, you know, this is for the sake of entertainment. I need you guys to, you know, get married on the floor, blah, blah, blah. And what the hell? You know, they're like, you know, come yeah. on, you know, but everything just kind of laid out on the table at that point. So, and it kind of. It kind of just—it's like the snowball. It's a proverbial small snowball going down the hill. It's like from that point on, the movie just kind of just keeps getting 
more, more. Yeah, you just up. lose hope at that point. Yeah. Uh, MVT for me uh, is Gig Young. Uh, yeah. Nice. He's just he's all over this film. He's such a salesman, and <laughs> the scenes between him and Turkey, and uh, just the scenes between him and anybody really. Mm-hmm. Are really great. He's one of those actors who he was in. I mean, he's been on our show before. He was on uh, Bring Me the, in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, but he was in a small role there. But he he's one of those guys that kind of ups everybody else. You know, like if he's in a scene, everybody else is that much better because he's there. Yeah. And he's just one of those type of actors for me. And I you know I wish he would have had a longer career because I think he would have had a a really nice twilight part of his career if he'd have lived longer. So uh, my score is also eight out of ten. So we got three eights and an eight point five. Rocking and I like rolling. to I like to rock the curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taking it up a half a point for the horse stroking. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh wow! Um, so that is our thoughts on they shoot horses, don't they? The, the, don't they? <laughs> I get to keep saying it's a that. Really way. awkward title to say. <laughs> I know they shoot horses, don't they? But I'm it, surprised it, they didn't change it. To be honest with you, it, it's a provocative right? title though, yeah. because when you say it to somebody, they're like, it's like almost infinitely. If you're a movie fan, if you've never seen it, or never heard of it, when you say that title, it's like almost immediately, like you know, I gotta check that out. That's an interesting title. But it's confusing. Well, it's also been. Um, it's <laughs> it is like confusing. Really, like there was an episode of Sex in the City that was like they shoot singles, don't they? There was an episode of like Gossip Girl, and like a, a hundred TV shows have used the title. Yeah. Like yeah, I think there's an episode of Pretty Little Liars like that too. Probably, not that like, I watched that show. Loves the, you know, not that mm-hmm. you've watched every episode and told me that's to a watch good it. show, man. Yeah. Hey, do you start? It's a catchy title, but it's it's weird. It's one of those like references that. You imagine anybody who actually knows a reference would not understand how they go together because it's now kind of like a lighthearted thing to say. But it's like, no, actually, it's kind of dark. Yeah. yeah. No. But that is our thoughts on they shoot horses, don't they? That's 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 the. Don't they? Yeah, don't they? Uh, <laughs> so that's the, the portion of our show. Now to hear part two of the show, <laughs> the teaser. <laughs> You have to head over to the Feminine Critique podcast. You, you get your the, bindle stick and hitchhike on over. <laughs> you got the teaser. You're about to get the pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> so, so head on over there to hear our review of Dark of the Sun, uh, directed by Jack Cardiff. Will, do you want to do pleasantries or you just want to nip it? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we'll do them very quickly here um, as I uh, misplace them on air. Um Check out our sister shows, Silver and Gold, Show Show, OTC, Hammockus. Check out those lovely dames over at the Feminine Critique. What, what? Yeah. Uh, podcast without honor and humanity, uh, who you'll hear more from next week. Um, it's an awesome and shows from the Skeleton Closet. Those guys are kind of in limbo right now, but still, check out the back catalog. Action Attraction, Married with Clickers. The Glee cast. Uh-huh. Paleo. I watched an episode of Glee with my wife this week. I gotta say, man, that show is kind oh, of. Oh, man. No, it's it's uh, downhill. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. man. Believe yeah. me, I know. I know. Bizarre, I, man. I dropped it. I couldn't do it anymore. Last season, yeah. I dropped it. I couldn't do it anymore. If you weren't they, doing a show on it, we probably would too. Yeah, it's like that Gangnam style thing was so ill advised. Oh, Oh, and so oh, racist. Oh my god, I like, know. Have the Asian character sing the Korean song, even <laughs> yeah. though she's Korean. I, I have nothing. Oh. To, I have nothing to add to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it, man. I took out Paleo Cinema Family Movie Night <laughs> podcast on fire. Thirty-five millimeter heroes. Uh, Chin Circle versus Punter. NOTLP. Big Red podcast. Better in the dark podcast. 
V Cinema, Criterion Cast, Projection Booth, Mondo Film Podcast. Love that album. Movie matchup, movies about girls. <laughs> a boy, a kid, a pony. Trick or treat radio, where uh, I got to program this week's episode. They covered Virgins from Hell, yeah. which is amazing. Um, <laughs> it's a s- uh, subtle title for a film, if there ever was one. It, exactly. <laughs> and Sammy's going to program their next month's uh, GTMC show. Uh, Good, the bad, the weird. And of course, check out our favorite. Texas-based, our favorite power couple, media moguls, our favorites. You know them, you love them. Yeah. Dylan and Christine. Yeah. Paracinema.net, get a I, subscription. And I was thinking... Yeah, please get a subscription. I was thinking, Christine... Yeah, yeah you were talking stuff. I was thinking uh, you, were in, you were in that derby scene where they're running around stuff. You'd be okay because your significant other always wears cargo shorts. So there's always a chance he would have a bottle of water or something stuffed in those pants somewhere. Yep, he always has cargo shorts on there. They would come in handy. And he could throw it on those little spikes that you always see thrown on floors in movies. I think I think so I could win that dance contest. Yeah. I, I want I want a movie version of Christine and Dylan in, in the parts. That would be great. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Nightmare you could Theater. sing like Body Bedelia. That'd be so cute. I would I would pay good money to see that. <laughs> Throwing you all my silver dollars. I'll, but. I'll get on it then. Wicked. Um, we are youngmonster.com, uh, teleport-city.com. Of course, check out these are all.blogspot.com, the GGTMC, Rupert Pumpkin Speaks, Deadly Dolls House. Oh. Yeah. Chuck Norris at my baby, Fist of B List. Check out Carl's Facebook group. Cinema Gonzo. Playground of Doom, Scared Shiftless, and Shasta. And speaking of Shasta, Jeff, st- say, stay safe. They're getting like six feet of fucking snow in like Ooh. in like three days. Oh goodness, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. maybe more. It's it's ridiculous. It might be the most snow that's fallen in a given period in American history. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like a ridiculous yeah. um, moon in the gutter, wax mask. Come on, man, Greg. We need some more Italo disco on the show. Uh, check out Oily Maniac, Death Rattle. Uh, Siamese royalty, of course, for Aaron's side project as a singer. Um, <laughs> the lightning bugs, <laughs> 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 a hero never dies. The freaking awesome network, feed my ears, region incognito, diabolic DVD, cinema de bazaar, OMG entertainment, boulevard movies, camera obscura, Facebook, Twitter. We love everybody. <laughs> we love everybody. <laughs> and we next week, for that one guy, you know who you are, yeah. one motherfucker. And yeah. next week on the show, speaking of people we love. The king of barbecue in the Midwest. Oh, nice. Jake yeah. McLargehidge. Yeah. Coming boy. back on the show. And uh, he's uh, doing his uh, Kickstarter picks. He picked uh, Immortal Combat, which is a uh, Roddy Piper, Sonny Sheba, Darren McBee joint. Uh, wow, that sounds Meg amazing. Foster. Meg Foster, too. So what? Roddy Piper's not the most manly person in the film. <laughs> uh, and also uh, Dreaming the Reality, which is a Hong Kong film I have never seen. So. Moon Lee, Yukari Oshima, Girls with Guns. It's going to be epic. Yep. Very nice. And also, let me say, before we sign off on our end, uh, congratulations, Shin Stroker vs. Punter. 200 episodes. Yay! Yeah, very good job. nice. Good job on that. That, uh, was me, that was the sound of me clapping. That was good clapping. <laughs> sounded right. like clapping. It's kind of like an in-joke between me and uh, Mike, because when we started, we were kind of close and... We, we always would get kind of close to them, and then they put out a bunch, and then we'd be behind, and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> all of a sudden, we surpassed them, and it's kind of like an in joke between us. And he's like, motherfuckers, how they surpassed, they passed us up. We started before they did. Yeah, 200's no, uh, no small feat. A lot of great people doing great shows didn't even make it to double digits. Uh, yeah. So, you know, kudos to them. Yep. They do a great show. Yep. But that is it. So, on our end, we will say adios. 
Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 